But the challenge of that is sometimes it could be so driven that this is my swim lane, these are my OKRs, but I'm not going to help anybody else achieve theirs. And that's one of the challenges you can you can find, particularly in a in a matrix organization. We're a big matrix organization, and sometimes you know your marketing team needs your product team, and your product team needs your tech team, and then you need your operations team to execute a good idea. And unless there's commonality of those OKRs sitting across, you know, each one of those individual departments, it's not going to work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Pep Talks podcast hosted by Pep Talks MD and founder, Sam Smith, and me, Pep Talks Head of Marketing, Richard Aliff. In this episode, we're talking all about operating models and how they can be successfully implemented into a PE-backed business to drive value, culture, innovation, and most importantly, help you tell a story and grow effectively in the build-up to an exit and beyond. To discuss this, we are joined by Forge Holiday Group CEO, Graham Donoghue. Forge brings together market-leading holiday brands, Sykes Cottages, Forest Holidays, UK Caravans for Hire and Back Air. Graham joined Sykes as CEO in 2016 and has seen great success through his implementation of OKRs. By setting out key objectives for the business and aligning his employees around them, Graham successfully acquired over 20 regional UK brands into the Sykes family and expanded the business internationally into New Zealand. In 2019, Graham secured fresh investment from Vitruvian Partners with an enterprise value of circa £400 million, delivering a nine times return for exiting investor Livingbridge. Subsequently, Graham completed the transformational acquisition of Forest Holidays and UK Caravans for Hire, taking Sykes' portfolio to over 31,000 units of accommodation. Graham attributes a large amount of his success at Sykes to the successful implementation of OKRs. Listen on to hear his full story. So next episode, here we are for um, the podcast, uh, the Map of the Maze. Actually, I probably shouldn't say that anymore. It's not really called Map of the Maze, is it? We just call it the Pet Source Podcast. Pet Source Podcast. Uh, And we're back with Graham Donoghue of Sykes Cottages. But actually, you're now a group, aren't you? You are no longer just CEO of Sykes Cottages. You are CEO of... I see, you don't remember. (laughs) Forge. Forge. Forge, yes. I'm glad I didn't spend millions on some brand <laughs> consultant coming up with the name. Yeah, so we're Forge uh, Holiday Group. So we're a collection of um, four brands or four divisions, as I call them. A specialist operating division, and we have brands like Forest Holidays in there, an agency division um, where we have 22 brands in there, Sykes Cottages being the largest. We then have a caravan division. Um, couldn't think of a better name, uh, where we have about 7,000 caravans under a brand called UK Caravans for Hire. And then we have an international division, um, which we only have one international business in there at the moment, a business called Batch Care mm-hmm. in New Zealand. So yeah, it all sits under the umbrella of the Forge Group. Yeah. The last time we, we spoke to you, which is a few years ago on the podcast, mm. you were it was just psych. So you've been on this incredible journey. The business is growing amazingly well. Um, not without its challenges, but growing incredibly well. Um, and really what we wanted to sort of revisit um, with you or spend some time talking to you about today is, is just um, strategic planning, value creation planning, and getting that into your organization. Because I know, I know in your business, um, probably everybody in that business understands the, the key value levers that you're trying to pull to generate growth 
across that business. But we're repeatedly asked by members in our community just who are doing it for the first time, just what is the right approach to implementation of value creation plans and sequencing? So um, that's what we're going to talk about. But I think before we get into all of that, it's probably the right place to start is around strategic planning. So um, it'd be interesting to get your how you, how you approach it, how you have developed it at, at, um, at Forge. Well, I mean, by the very definition of the word strategic planning, it means it's strategy. Therefore, it's a set of choices, and and generally it has to have the right time horizon. That's how we approach it. Um, being private equity backed, we tend to work in a sort of a time horizon of you know three to five years. You know, it tends to be more five years more recently, just in terms of the, the larger you become as an organization, the, the more you have to think a bit longer. Um, so we tend, to, we tend to sort of begin with the end in mind. We, we cast our minds forward five years. We think about what the business will look like, how many people will have, um, you know, how we've created value financially, as crude as it is. You know, we sort of back flush the model and say, you know, what do we believe the return is required for investors, you know, to, you know, do they need two times their cash back or three times the cash back? So how much debt will be in the business? Um, what do, you know, what EBITDA do we think the business will generate? And then we pick a multiple range, you know, is it 10, is it 15? Or do we get giddy and say it's 20? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, not that giddy, but, you know, we, we pick a range and then that gives us a sort of a, a number, uh, like an EV number. Um, and then we then backflush that into okay, so what are the, the what are the key things we need to do in order to drive that? You know, what are the key levers that we need to pull? Um, in our case, the biggest driver is what we call supply, so having more stock properties. Um, then we have to look at demand. So how do we fill those properties? So how much demand do we need? Um, then we have to work out capability. So what skills do we need? And what's interesting in capability is we, we spend a lot of time thinking about what skills have we got today and how big is the business today, but how big is the business in the future? Because if you're a business today, and I'm making these numbers up, so let's just say your business is 500 million today and you want your business to be worth 1.5 billion, the skills required for the future at one half billion, should you be hiring them now? and sort of grow into those skills. So we spend a lot of time thinking about capability. And the reason why that's important because it's the key to execution. Mm-hmm. So having the right people um, with the right strategy, having the right long-term vision. And then we we sort of try to turn that into some sort of a you know simplistic, succinct model that everybody in the business can understand. So if you have 2,000 people, as we do, we almost go down to, you know, everybody from and the receptionist that greets people when you come into a head office will that individual understand what we're trying to achieve? How do we make it succinct and clear and pithy? So we break it down and then we go on a, I guess, a, a communication journey. And it's obviously broken down into multiple years and then that leads us into, so year one, what do we need to do? What's the key aspects of year one we need to drive? Um, what investment is required? What capabilities? What are the key initiatives? And then that leads us into an operating model. Mm-hmm. So we. We use we've used many different operating models over the years, uh, but the one that we pick um, and have used consistently is objectives and key results, so OKRs. But there's there's lots out there, um, and the objectives and key results are broken down by quarter. Um, we tend to keep them relatively um, high level in the sense of 
I, as the group chief executive, set seven objectives. Five of them are what we call committed, um, i.e. we really need to deliver these because yeah. these are critical to live in the budget. And then we have sort of a two more aspirational, you know, and it could be something like, you know, we need to develop proposition. I'll give you an example. We need to develop propositions that harnesses the growing capability of artificial intelligence. It's a bit woolly, but that's a type of aspirational yeah. objective we may set. Um, and that allows people to have a bit of freedom because in a way, one of the, Challenges sometimes of OKRs when they're very strict is, in, is, is innovation can sometimes falter yeah. and the ability to pivot and move away um, because people, if you've got the right people, they can be so obsessed about driving the OKRs. Yeah. So we break them down, we break them into quarter. Um, typically, each of the senior leaders of the business you know, has five to seven. They are then cascaded through. We then create a plan and then we manage the business against it. And everybody in the business has got a set of... OKRs, objectives and key results. Yes, yes. Cascaded down from the top. It's got to be owned by you, really, isn't it? It's got to come from you first. Yeah, because I, you know, my, my job um, has to, I have to stand up, you know, and I do stand up every month um, and very simply say, you know, what are we trying to achieve this year? Mm -hmm. So I break it down into the, into the year. What did we say we wanted to do last month? What did we do last month? Mm -hmm. And what do we need to do next month? And that, People should be hearing that and linking it back to ah I, my OKR. So that's why I've been asked to that's do this, or that's why that's yeah. why I'm that's why you know Graham keeps going on about supply or demand or yeah. you know um, employee engagement or owner retention in our case, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so everybody everybody needs to. Have it. And then obviously we measure against people. We do pivot them sometimes. You know, the, this year has been challenging because uh, you know the beginning of the year is very different from the end of the year, so you have to pivot and uh, adapt accordingly and it does allow you to do it um, but principally it's about trying to stay quite steadfast on that long-term vision yeah um, particularly when you're not in an exit year yeah. um, it's about making sure you still put the right level of investment for the future but also making sure people know what's expected and we're holding them accountable um, so you start you start your thinking with the end in mind uh, but it's not the end, is it? It's a it's a false peak. It's a, it's a an end to this investment period. You're you're yes. thinking longer term than that. But you're thinking, what does this business need to look like at the next transaction? Yeah, actually, so it's a good point you made because you know when we think of two milestones, there we think of a potential exit. Uh, of the business, you know, an event. Which you um, have to deliver. Don't yeah, you? that's what you yeah. Have to. But what we then do is we then spend a lot of time thinking about what's the story at that event for the next investor and who could those next investors be. So it, it, I'd probably say it's more a 10 year horizon you're thinking because um, it's very difficult to create maximum value for a business when you've rinsed it all out and there's no future value. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to be able to, you have to be able to tell the story that people can buy into and, and unless you, you know, unless you think there's, there's limited growth moving forward. And then it's about choices about who you partner with in the future or what the business looks like. You know, I'm not, as an example, you know, um, you know, private equity needs are quite different from say listing on a public market. Yeah. And that may, that may change. That, that, that's often, we're often asked that question, you know, how do I balance the short term requirements of delivering value for my current shareholders versus the longevity, um, uh, the tenure horizon of this business and, you know, just how do I sequence that? I mean, what would your answer to that 
question be? It's all about storytelling. <laughs> it's, you know, can you tell the right story? Will it stand up to scrutiny? Um, you're very aligned because if you're able to tell the right story for the future investors, mm -hmm. whoever they may be, it benefits the current investors because it helps you maximize maximize price and also it makes you as attractive as you possibly can be to the widest possible group of people and, and that, that's important so um you know you, you you've got to find the balance ultimately but um i think most good quality private equity houses sort of understand that model because that's the model that's how they create value about you know taking businesses and improving them, making them better, hiring the right people, investing in them, um, and then moving them on. They have a reputation as well. So generally, you know, in my limited experience, you know, I've, I've found that we're generally quite quite aligned. Yeah. But it's um, but what it does allow you to do is, you know, if you're sitting today and then you look five years ahead and you tell a story and then you, you're quite comfortable telling the story in five years' time, but you have no idea what the story is going to be in 10 years' time because let's just say you run out of headroom or you just don't think the market's big enough. It forces you to pivot now. It forces you to make decisions now for the future. And, and a good example in our business is, you know, we, we did recognize that there was limited headroom if we continued to just be a UK business mm -hmm. in uh, being an agency sort of a business like, like Sexus. Mm -hmm. So that, that did force us down the route of saying, well, let's explore other opportunities in the UK, still sticking in the UK, but more to become like an operator to, you know, to to own, develop and build our own supply with almost unlimited headroom, which is what we did by acquiring Forest Holidays and bringing them in. Because again, it just, it allows you to tell this greater story. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're not at an exit year, we're a number of years away from an exit year, but, you know, that's something that we had to do in a timely fashion yeah. and you don't want to be you don't want to be doing things in the very last six months how um how widespread is that understanding of the pe model within the business obviously like there's this key focus on value creation the huge part of that is we're, we're going towards an exit but is that one of the motivators you use to get people to focus on value creation obviously within the management team i assume that's quite a big thing but um it is obviously within the management team and it is within the, the i guess the equity holders in the business as well and also the people who are on long-term incentive programs which is quite a fair number of people um but when anybody joins our business doesn't matter who you are we have a you know i think a pretty good induction and mm -hmm. a big part of that induction is explaining our business explaining you know how we make money who our investors are how they make money and and we explain the what private equity is because like you know most people have no idea um understandably so we explain that and, and people get it because sometimes it helps them understand why we make some of the decisions that we make mm -hmm. you know how we're thinking in that long term and how we're also thinking about you know the value creation and why we can be a little bit obsessed sometimes over the value creation so everybody almost gets sheep dipped in uh, 101 <laughs> private equity um and quite a lot of the time We'll do that through you know a learning management program, but also um, all the directors of the company meet every single new employee as part of induction, and we, mm -hmm. we go through that process as well. Sure. But you, I, I know that you don't necessarily look to engage your people, um, all, all of your organisation around the sort of vocabulary of private equity, you know, EBITDA or multiples. You, you know, when when you when you were talking earlier about you know sort of engaging them in the 
in the strategy and the journey. I know you're keeping it really quite simple, aren't you? You're sort of, we yeah. want to do this and this is why. I, there, there's, you know, if you're standing up talking to 2,000 people, they don't really want to hear about revenue, EBITDA, it's not return on investment work, capital. Or, yeah. yeah, it doesn't, you know. Um, I, I do flip in and out sometimes, you know, because I, I, I try and create the breadcrumbs. But in our organization, most people understand if we have more of the right properties and that we can fill with more of the right guests that have a really good time, that creates value. And ultimately, that leads to a revenue number. And if we do it really well, it leads to, you know, an EBITDA number. So trying to distill it into something that's a bit more human um, is important. And the very first version um, of this operating model, when we linked it back to our mission, it was very clear, you know, we need this number of properties by this date. Mm. That was it. Yeah. And it's evolved a little bit, you know, as the business has sort of grown up. But principally, everything has to link back to a clear mission. Yeah. You know, very clear purpose, very clear mission very clear set of, you know, key ways you could deliver it, linked to a whole set of objectives and key results, cascading through the organization, mm-hmm. and everybody should know what they are. Yeah. So that has a really positive impact on culture then, because everyone's sort of gearing towards the, the same goal. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does. I mean, there's watch outs. Uh, um, the benefits are, yeah, everybody understands the why and understands their why. So what role am I playing? Because mm-hmm. if you're a developer writing code, um, you know you want them to know that this piece of code I'm developing is going to create this this um, functionality that leads to this that benefits our overall mission. So they can you know they can see what part and the overall jigsaw they're playing. Mm-hmm. The um, the challenges you you sometimes can have is um, you can get situations where people are so obsessive over delivering what they need to do. Sometimes they never lift their head up to spot other opportunities mm-hmm. that may be there. Um, that's one of the downfalls. And that's the, that's the role really of the, the senior team. You just keep checking in every quarter and reflecting and almost re, re-pivoting and saying, is this still the right thing to do? Um, but it does create this culture of, you know, we're all sort of heading for the, to the same purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, the purpose is the highest part of the pinnacle or the, the house model as we sort of call it. And everybody is heading heading in sort of the same direction. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, for people that don't know about OKRs or objectives and key results, and um, the history of them, I mean, it's one of it's one of a few. There aren't that many operating models, are there? But it's one no. of it's probably yeah. the the highest profile because um, it came about through what was his name, the Intel uh, CEO Andy, Andy Grove. Was Andy it? Grove, yeah, yeah, he developed it at Intel and was incredibly successful in like the late seventies, and then. It really got picked up by a guy called um, John Doerr, John Doerr who, yeah. who wrote uh, Measure What Matters, Measure which, matters yep. which I read over, <laughs> yeah. over, the summer, over the summer. Brilliant book. And he implemented it in Google, didn't he? he so he, he's a venture capitalist in California. Uh, well, I can't remember that. I'm thinking KKR, but that's a private yeah. equity firm. It's Kleiner Perkins. Was uh, it? Kleiner Perkins, yeah. that's it, yeah. Um, and he's invested in, you know, the, the biggest tech companies in the world, you know, Facebook and Google. But the most famous example of um, his introduction of OKRs is into Google. And uh, he invested in Google at a very early stage, went onto their board and then really mentored the founders of how to implement OKRs and make, make them work for them. Uh, and has written this book uh, 
um, Measure What Matters, which if you want to understand OKRs in a bit more detail, it's it's it is the book to read. It is. I mean, the the, the thing about writing, I mean, we, the first time we implemented it. You know, I, I, I love one-pagers. You know, I often send people away and say, can I get it one page, please? Um, but my team, be my team, you know, they send it back to me in one page, but it's like font eight. And, and there's like, you know, here's your here's your top-level OKR group. You know, it could be something like, I don't know, deliver 600,000 bookings at a cost per booking of 50 pounds. That's, that's an OKR, you know, by, you know, by the end of the year. But then what they'll do is they'll break it down into, well, they used to, not so much now, they'll break it down into about 40 sub little, and that's when it dilutes itself and it's sort of a, you know, it's not quite as potent. Um, so you need to keep it high level enough and then break that top level OKR down by maybe four or five other key objectives to keep people on the right track. Yeah, I think the general rule is three to five, isn't it? Yeah. So three to five objectives and you want to keep them as simple as you possibly can. They're not... Um, they're not targets, they're objectives. So for in pep talks, we're implementing OKRs, it's, it's grow membership. Uh, but then the key results that come out of that objective is, okay, how do we do that? Um, yeah, but you need a number. You need like, a, the key result is, yeah. is the number, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's, and that's the, that's the beauty of it. It's the, what are you trying to achieve? What do you need, you know, what do you need to do it by when, ideally? <laughs> and uh, what's the result you're expecting to get from it? And it's like, it's, 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 it's a bit like, in over the years, you know, I've seen, you know, tons and tons and tons of, you know, people who sort of say, oh, here's my objectives and you and they're, they're fine, but they're just written as a, they're not, they're not really anchored in anything measurable and sort of a concrete. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the beauty for me of that. It's like, explain what you're expecting to happen as a result of doing this by when, and then how does it link back to yeah. the overall sort of a, you know, um, the overall key result, let's just say, then how does that link back to the mission? How does that link back to the to the purpose? And it's it's going up and down that tree, and um, and the OKR part is the the execution part, uh, mm-hmm. which is sort of a quick, quick quickly. And, and we rag them every quarter. We go through them. We tend to ignore the things that are that are um, green. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like fine. You get no benefit for that. Yeah, which is a bit unfair. Uh, and we focus much more on the um, on the reds and the ambers. I actually have one of my executive team who doesn't believe amber should exist. So it's yeah. either green or red. <laughs> we have one of those in our team. Yeah, yeah. yeah we only have red and green. Yeah, That's basically. Yeah, you're either on track or you're off track. Yeah. Um, but it allows you to have like conversations, like you know. Um, you know, could we have done this differently? You know, what level of support do I can I give you to help you unlock this sort of a barrier? Um, is this something require... that we continue to look at, or is it something that we need to drop now and look at something exactly, else? Exactly. Yeah, should we pivot away from this? You know, mm-hmm. was it was it just the wrong objective that's been set through? Because there's nothing worse than having a whole bunch of them and they're all red because you've set some big, hairy, audacious goal. Yeah. And that you never get there because going back to the culture piece, it just demoralizes everybody, mm. you know. So you know you need that, you need that balance of you know if they're all green, then it's too easy, you know. So you need yeah. that balance of sort of a stuff that's sort of a you know attainable and achievable, but also um, you know you should be gliding into gliding into them certainly in the uh, in the last quarter. Yeah. So how often are you reviewing them? So do you set them for the? So let's let's go back a few steps. So strategic hmm. plan. Yeah, we're doing now. I mean, we're, we're right in the midst of. So we're we're doing our budgeting for for next year. Um, you know, our financial year ends at the end of September. Um, I literally had an email sitting in my inbox. You know, from the team. Right. Okay. How do we turn? We haven't presented this plan to our 
to an investor, yeah, but we're assuming it's going to be fine. And it will be like, how do we then turn these back into the next set of OKRs? How are we going to run it? And then the first thing everybody will ask me is, Graham, set yours. Yeah. So I'll set mine. Yeah. Because everybody filters from mine. Um, and then each of the individual executive teams will set theirs and then they'll cascade it sort of down. And you, you have to be able to see line of sight from the, the OKRs to what you're putting into the budget and when it lands in the budget and how you realize the benefit. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it should all work quite perfectly. If you have a whole bunch of OKRs and they bore no representation to what you're actually saying you're going to do in the next 12 months in your financial plan, then that doesn't work. You're going to be um, quite distracted. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, know, you know, it's really important for me to be able to look at a budget, say, and sort of say, okay, we're trying to achieve this. Then, then look around the room and say, well, who's accountable for it, right? What are we going? To, what's the, what do we need to do next quarter to get mm -hmm. us on track for that? And simple language, but that's that's how it works. Yeah. So you, you you set it for the year, and then you review in quarterly, and you're adjusting quarterly on the basis of what might be happening in the market. You're flexing, yeah, you know, depending on what's what's going on. You're probably not throwing out, not coming up with a whole set of new OKRs, but you might no. be tweaking them. Depending no, but, on what's I mean, but opportunities do come along, and you you do you know have the ability to pivot and sort of say okay. This is a new opportunity we need to take advantage of. We should take advantage of it. Is 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 quite important. As I say, sometimes that's. It took us a while to recognise that because when we first introduced OKRs, they were directly all linked to remuneration, yeah, i.e. bonus. <laughs> so, because you know, go back to culture. Um, depending on how organisations are set up, you know, I've always found that if you incentivize people in the right way and you give them clarity of what they're sort of doing and you know you'll they'll find a way to sort of execute it but the challenge of that is sometimes they could be so driven that this is my swim lane mm. these are my okrs but i'm not going to help anybody else achieve theirs yeah and that's one of the challenges you can you can find particularly in a in a matrix organization mm. we're a big matrix organization and sometimes you know your marketing team needs your product team and your product team needs your tech team. Mm. And then you need your operations team to execute a good idea. And unless there's commonality of those OKRs sitting across, you know, each one of those individual departments is not going to work. Mm. There's no point it just sitting in one department and they're saying, well, you know, I need everybody else to deliver it and no one else has it. Yeah. So a good example I can give you is um, like owner retention, you know, which is basically, you know, making sure we hold on to as many of the right owners as possibly can. I would argue that almost every department in the organization has a role to play. So that should be sitting as a common OKR across everybody's. So that that's one of the watch outs. You just have to be careful. There's like an alignment. Yeah. I think it's one of the golden rules, isn't it? Don't link it to um, to bonuses and salary structures. It's like have, have some, you know, that's, it's an operating process. It's, yeah. It shouldn't be linked to reward. Um, Another thing that I know you do, though, uh, which is going back to the strategy, strategic planning, you do more than just think about what this business looks to look needs to look like. You actually sit down and write an investment memorandum, don't you? you this isn't just like this. We think it might need to look like that. You're, you're going into much more detail and saying this is why yeah. somebody is going to buy this business. Yeah, we we um, uh, we call them key investment highlights. So. Like a mini IM, you almost sort of a right um, quite early on in the process, and you go back and review it. We try to review it every year as part of a 
two-day strategic offsite with our investors. Mm. Um, and we have eight, please don't ask me what the eight are, but we have eight um, key investment highlights that we say this is the story we want to be able to tell. Yeah. And it, you know, it's all about storytelling. You know, here's the story, here's how it all sort of hangs together. Um, and then, you know, that then forces us and well, okay, how can that, how do we make that true? You know, can we tell this story? And will it stand up to um, scrutiny? You know, will it stand up to diligence? Mm-hmm. Um, does it does it does it sort of a hang tight? And then, how will you be articulating that story? You know, at, you know, whatever an event sort of happens. So yeah, so we do that early on, and then we have a two day offsite um, every year with the wider sort of investors, and we repeat the same sort of a process going through it and saying, okay, is this still the right? Mm-hmm. type of story and then we'll check in and say you know have we got the right addressable market have we got the right headroom have we got the right capability you know have you know I, I mean the closer you get to an event as well you know we think more and more about things like succession planning and having the right capability in the organization and um, we've just done a big assessment with um, quite a large number of our, our senior individuals in the organization who we think are you know, ready maybe now or maybe in a couple of years' time to sort of move on, but it'll sort of a mm-hmm. big So we spend a lot of time thinking about thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Do the board meetings? A lot of them revolve around the OKRs. Are you talking about red, amber, green in the board meetings? Or is that more top well, line discussions? Yeah, I mean, what what, what we I mean, we've evolved our board meetings under style again. I've just evolved it again more recently. But what we tend to do is we set an agenda out twelve months in advance. Mm. Um, we we have eight board meetings a year typically and then the board meetings always start with um the four hours they always start with two strategic topics and those two strategic topics are linked to the initiatives Mm -hmm. that we're trying to achieve which are part of the okrs so it will be about people or capability or it'll be about you know supply or demand or leveraging new technology whatever it may be um and then so we, we start with those two and then the last part of the board meeting we're going to operational updates, which we tend to never get to, um, which is probably a good thing. Um, so it tends to be more strategic and then we bring different people into those to those board meetings and we set that agenda out typically 12 months in advance. Um, again, we can allow for some flexibility and we can pivot on it, but I guess it, it gives line of sight, you know, so like in this month we're going to be talking about um, how we've grown our um, supply um, or, you know, We've got a big focus on app as an example in our business about you know growing more and more of a capacity through both our consumer app and our owner app. So that actually sits as a very specific topic. You know how are we doing against that? Mm-hmm. So when do you cover all the financial? Mm-hmm. Well, they just when, when they, do you they, cover they, the numbers? Is that yeah, outside the board meeting? No, they just cover as part of an operational update in the board pack. Mm-hmm. And you delve into them if you need to, but we very rarely you try and avoid that. Very rarely. Very rarely. And I think that's, you know, a testament, you know, to our investors and uh, non-executives, et cetera. You know, we, you know, we very, very rarely, you know, if something's wrong. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, you know, I think the sign of any really good board is you, you've preempted that in yeah. advance. Yeah. You've taken action. And I always think, particularly investors, they don't want surprises. So there's no way I'm walking or we should be walking into a board meeting mm. and, and, and having a conversation about being, you know, 25% off a number, let's just say, as an example. You know, that doesn't happen mm. because it's all been <clears throat> dealt with. And um, so, yeah, we very rarely get into get into those minutiae. I mean, there's, 
you know, and, and you know, there's a lot of discipline in these board packs as well. We use a tool called board intelligence. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so there's quite a lot of structure around the narrative, around the storytelling, mm-hmm. and there's quite a lot of structure around the um, the financial papers, the operational papers, and making sure there's great visibility on cash, covenants, all those things as well, which is, you know, it's really important for the board to understand that. Yeah. And then it's just taking questions. Yeah. So strategic plan, cascade mm-hmm. into value creation plan, thinking about the end, thinking about the exit but beyond and it's all about the storytelling it's about the visual and visualizing what this business could be should be in a longer term horizon linking it back to what the investor requires in terms of a return in a three to five year window thinking about team and then thinking about right how do we plug this into an operating process like an okr Hmm. what what do you think it's done to your the culture of the business um the operating uh, yeah. Process your point system of OKRs. Well, the thing that's given clarity is the first thing, probably the most important thing. And I'm a great believer in, you know, even if it's the wrong strategy, <laughs> uh, if it's communicated well and everybody believes in it, you can still achieve and accomplish amazing things. Yeah. So I think it's definitely given clarity of, like, you know, what is it we're trying to achieve? And, and, and um, the thing you have to do is you can't just say this once, you have to say it all the time, constantly. A bit like a broken record, which is why, you know, when I stand up and talk to the organization, you know, my first monologue is the same monologue I say every single time I meet the people, you know, in the organization is to reinforce that. Um, so I think it's clarity. I think it gives, um, <clears throat> it holds people to account, which I think is one of the most important things as well. Accountability, um, definitely. Yeah. yeah, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't hide, you know, <laughs> you know, you can. Um, it also, not only does it, the senior managers, you know, are you able to hold them to account? Um, it hold, you hold each other to account, <coughs> excuse me, which is really important, you know, because it's a bit like a, if you think of like a development scrum, you know, the whole process of scrum and so forth, you know, the whole thing has to sort of work together, you know, to get it off the, off the production line, and, you know, into, into live effectively. It's similar to that, you know, so I think it, you hold each other to account, um, but also support each other when it's needed as well. So there's a there's a there's a bit of that as well. It's that cross-functional working. You can't you can't actually you just achieve. can't hide. You can't yeah, do yeah. The, you yeah. can't achieve your key results unless you work effectively cross-functionally. So I think it also forces you know nobody wants to be the the group of people or the team yeah. that turn up turn up and it's always red. Mm. <laughs> it's like it's not a good look. It's yeah. not a good look. Not a good look so there's a, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a discipline um, towards that as well. Um, I think um, I think also it um, it allows us then to make confident decisions on investments for the future as well. I think that's quite important because because it's not short term. It allows you to support the business. You know, I, I mean, I, I'll go back to app, a good example. You know, we're investing millions um, in what we're doing in the app, and it's a long-term play. You know, it's not about necessarily getting a return on investment within six months. You know, we in our caravan business, you know, we're we have some really big ambitions there, and we are, you know, we're trying to grow that business. You know, between one hundred and two hundred percent every month, and we are because of the investment we're putting into because that's the long term we have a long term goal of what we need to achieve by a date in time and that's what we're focused on we're not focused on 
today, tomorrow, every me. It's that long-term goal. So it allows you to make some of those big investment decisions. But the very nature of what we do within Forest Holidays, it allows us because, you know, when we're, when we're building out locations and the planning and everything is required, you know, and this is tens of millions of capital investments, um, you have to take a long-term, a long-term view because, you know, uh, planning can take anything, you know, uh, at best, you know, from start mm-hmm. to end, you might get four years, but, you know, five, six, seven years. So, you know, you, you, you have to fill that hopper up. So it allows you to make those long-term sort of decisions as well. Um, and it just allows you to have, like, you know, good, sensible conversations with people as well. Yeah, I think it really educates the business as well um, because you're constantly talking about how where value is driven and how you're trying to drive value and why that's important. So, yeah, you know, every, everybody at every layer of the business will understand why, why you're doing what you're trying to do. Um, I mean, not, not all OKRs will translate beautifully across everybody in the organisation mm-hmm. and they'll get it. But if you've got enough of those big hero ones that everybody can touch, is very powerful. A good example I can give you is Net Promoter Score. You know, it's 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 our measure of how well have we done with our guests um, and with our owners. Um, but you know, the beauty of the guests is, you know, we you know we do six hundred fifty thousand bookings a year. Each booking has you know three point nine people on each booking. You know, millions of people sort of travel with us. And the moment of truth is when they mm-hmm. check out of that property, say on the day after, and then we ask, well, how did we do? You know, how was it? And you get this real time feedback. You know, forty percent of people give this real time feedback. You can then influence it. You can do so. You can learn from that. You know, you can you know you can make it better for the next guest. You can feed it back to the owner. And so, finding a lot of those hero OKRs that every single person organization can get behind, but then telling stories to support why it's important. You know, the higher the net promoter score uh, we get in the business, the more people that rebook with us. Mm-hmm. The more people that rebook with us the less money we have to spend on marketing, <laughs> the more efficient the business becomes and, and the happier customers are. I mean, it's, it's very simple, but it's, it's, it's telling it in that, in that lens. It's why then every single person's organization has net promoter score as part of their, their sort of a, their OKR. So th- those are quite important to find those almost like superhero OKRs that you filter in there that just everybody gets. and. You know, I speak a lot, and we've spoken a lot about flywheels. I'm like a massive fan of these flywheels. So ones that, finding ones that are just a flywheel that can drive your economic business, you know, uh, or the economic flywheel, I should say, is really quite important. Execution is key, but the first casualty of war is often the plan. (laughs) But, you know, execution is absolutely critical, and it's high discipline, low ceremony. That's the way to think about it. We OKRs. Yeah, and it's 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 a commitment taking them on um, because it ta- it takes time, doesn't it? It, it, it doesn't, does. It does take time. You don't get them in like that. It takes. It'll probably take you a year to eighteen months. To yeah, and you'll get it wrong. Yeah, definitely. And we, we the first the first year. Yeah. yeah, the first year. I mean, the the first one we did. It was um, this model, operating model called objectives, goals, strategies, and measures. I mean, God, I think I almost I killed the organisation trying to sort of a railroad it through. Um, it was just too much, um, and. It doesn't matter which one you use. I mean, they're all principled the same sort of a thing. You know, they're, yeah. all, they're all, they've all got elements of the same um, ingredients. Um, but there's nothing like the power of just consistently talking about the five or six things that we need to do that are going to drive value in this business that we're all aligned to do 
how are we doing against them? Mm-hmm. Do you think you would take on a CEO role in a private equity-backed business or you know any any type of ownership without an operating model now? No. I mean, as you say, it doesn't have to be OKRs. It can be something that you engineer yourself, but without... No, because, like, how do you know what you're doing? How would you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, it does... I find it fascinating, you know. You know, I've, I've been lucky to chat to many, many private equity CEOs in my my, my, my career at this business and, uh, and interview many, many different people as well. It, it, it really does... I do find it quite surprising. Um, it's easy for me to say, but how many, how many organisation CEOs are so short-term in their focus and their thinking? And maybe it's because you know, you know, they've got, they've got challenging yeah. um, private equity owners because I know they're not all equal as well, and they maybe don't give them the freedom to do it. But it's uh, for me, it's just it's uh, like a one-on-one. It's like you know, day one, first thing. What are we trying to achieve? Yeah. What do we need to do by when? What capability? You know, how does it link back? What's the story we're telling? Um, and you know, and in this is a, a similar model I've operated in non-private equity-backed businesses and PLCs. Same principle. Yeah, it's taking control, isn't it? Um, and the thing under private equity, if you don't take control, then private equity can take control of you. The difference with private equity, in this in this sense, and this is why I think it works even better, is you know, there will be a time horizon. And there will be a a model sitting somewhere with some investment committee that's being refreshed every six months that understands, um, you know, what the expectations are. <laughs> so, you know, the advice to everybody is, you know, try and understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, try and make sure that, you know, you're, you're working towards it and you understand it and you work together with your investment, your investment sort of partners. Um, and you know, and be open about you know. I mean, I I I think it's it's quite an uncomfortable thing, you know. Like you know, month one, you're into new relationships, and straight away you're talking about exit <laughs> or even succession. What's even worse? Yeah. Um, I don't think typically that's the the way that most private equity houses. You know, I don't think they like that conversation. Um, but I think it's a grown up conversation. And if anything, I think it shows commitment and focus that also shows alignment. Mm. Are your investors aware of your OKRs? Are they aware not of how you no, operate no, your processes? Not at an OKR um, no. level. Um, well, not at a detailed level. They, they're very much aware of the key levers of growth, which are, in a way, yeah. the OKRs, you know. Um, and I said, you know, if you can make it quite sim- simple, you know, and grow your net promoter score, you do better. Grow your supply, right supply, to be fair. And we've learned over the years there's a difference between quantity and quality. So right supply is important. Um, grow your demand. And ideally, you want to grow the share of your free demand, i.e. the lower cost sources. So people coming to you direct, which is really all about building your brand which then goes back to your net promoter score, building loyalty, getting higher rebook. Um, and then, you know, the other element really is around, you know, building out success for the future. And a lot of that, particularly in our type of business, involves technology, it involves product, it involves capability, it involves scalability, mm. all those things. Um, 
are, are really important. Which need those investment decisions. They need to make careful investment decisions. Exactly. You know, you know, you know, um, you know, you're going to move everything to the cloud because you need to scale when you need an investment decision. If you think the future of everybody buying from you as a consumer brand is going to be in the app, you need investment decisions. Um, if you want to build, you know, 10 new um, forest holiday locations in the forest, you need investment capability to sort of do it. So, yeah, all of that requires that that scalability and that sort of a thinking. Um, you know, you know, when we think of our platform, we think of our business as a platform, you know, we when we do that horizon scanning to the future and we say, well, how big will we be? How many bookings will we be doing? You know, we, we come up with a booking number and then we give it to like our CTO and say, right, our, our platform needs to be able to handle that much volume um, with all the other key performance metrics, you know, being, being in line with expectations. Mm-hmm. So what does that require? Um, how do we do that? Just um, thinking from the perspective of our members who are totally new to PE, it's their first turn, um, jumping back a bit, but what does that first day look like? You've come up with a value creation plan, uh, you've come up with an operating system, and then you need to you know, communicate that to the business. I mean, we did it recently, but we're all in the same room when it happened. Mm-hmm. In this instance, you know, you've got your senior leadership team, and then it's like going out to the business and communicating what this new operating system is. Like, what does that look like day one? Well, well I think the first thing is, um my advice to any CEO is um, don't do it alone. Mm. That that's like um, that's never going to work. Um, even if you know the answer, yeah. <laughs> and as CEOs, we often think we know the answer. <laughs> but even if you know the answer, um, take your time and do it collectively. You know, with with your uh, with your team, because then you get buy-in, and then you get ownership mm. and, and accountability. But once you have that. Um, and you're confident with it, then it is about breaking it down and communicating it. So, you know, how are you going to tell the story through the organization? Um, one of the things I generally do every year is I write a two-page letter of intent. So stolen from Warren Buffett, which he does to the investors, Berkshire mm-hmm. half, halfway each year, he, he basically says, um, you know, don't talk to me for 12 months about what I'm doing with your money, but I'll tell you in 12 months' time how much money I've made you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what he does with his, with his letters. So it's, a, it's very much a, a letter. And it, it's like the next 12 months, this is our commitment. This is what we're going to, this is our, our targets in terms of, you know, the OKRs. This is where we're going to be investing in you in terms of people. And this is where we're going to be investing with the organization. So it's a sort of a very simple, um, sort of a two-page sort of a letter. Um and then having those regular all hands where, you know, I think it's important where every month key individuals, ideally the CEO, because then it shows ownership, is standing up in front of everybody and saying, right, you know, this is this is where we are, this is what mm-hmm. we're doing, this is what we did, this is what we achieved, and being brutally honest, um, depending on your values. But one of our values is open communication and honest communication. Um, so we're really, you know, if we're on track, we're clear, we're on track. We're very clear as well, so that communication is important. And then, um, then it's it, it's about all the reinforcement things that go with it. Now, I'm not advocating everybody goes and paints lots of things on the walls and all that sort of a stuff. But we did a lot of you know, it was everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. mouse mat appears. You know, yeah. oh, that's what we're trying to achieve. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, new pencil case. That's what we're trying to achieve. You know, new posters appearing. That's what we're trying to achieve. You know, so the more you can reinforce it um, until it becomes embedded. Um, you know, you, you know that's really important. So it's just this constant referral, um, going back to it and communicating it through. Sure. How do you recognise if you've got your first iteration wrong? 
when does that start to sort of show itself? Like, in terms of the OKRs? Yeah. Uh, I think if everything's red, yeah. that's not a good sign. <laughs> uh, it's probably, it's probably, you know, and, and you might have, the, you might have um, the right OKRs, but you might have just tried to bite off too much in the first quarter. Sure. So, you, you know, sometimes you have to maybe give it six months to sort of see. Um, I think you observe it. It's about, you know, it's about behavior. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, people turning up prepared. It's about, um, you know, people asking the right questions, behaving the right way. Sure. You can sort of, you can sense, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, what I would call wallpaper. Yeah. Or whether actually people are taking action and believing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it becomes quite, quite apparent. Sure. Okay. We need to go to our dinner. Yeah. That was great. Thank you, Graham. Um, and yeah, well, well, we should we should be on some sort of commission for the book, shouldn't we? But measure what matters, John. <laughs> that's that's what you need to read if you're interested in this. I mean, we're we're producing a fair bit of content on it for our for our membership as well. But um, yeah, that was really insightful. Thanks, Graham. Thank you. Thanks, Graham. Thanks very much.